something about technical difficulties kind of reminds me of like Christmas morning, and you buy the toys, but you forget the batteries, and you're like, oh, I knew I forgot something. Um, but it's good to be here. It's good to be here to, to reflect on Advent and the season that we're in uh, that is looking ahead of what is hoped for, but is also remembering back of what is done. And one of the ways that we do, at least in, you know, my family's always been, is you decorate for Christmas, and you decorate in the season. And it's usually, for me, capped off by a nativity scene. And that nativity scene, as a little kid, I loved it. As a little kid, I uh, always loved this very kind of rustic-looking barn that was underneath our tree, and I don't think I ever fully understood it. Uh, but I always loved the look of it, and I loved that I got to put it together, and sometimes I would I would play with it a little as a kid. Sometimes my He-Man would join in, or my G.I. Joe, and there would be a great battle somehow, but I didn't fully understand it. And I think that's what I want to explore today, is try to understand and explore this nativity in, in a way that maybe we haven't looked at personally, or maybe uh, together haven't looked at at some time. If you have a nativity set in your home, or if you've had one in your home, there's some staples that go with it. You know, the first staple is, well, you have Jesus and Mary and Joseph. Like, you, you have to have them in your nativity set. Without them, you're kind of missing the whole nativity thing. And then if you, you know, you branch out, maybe some people just have a simple set and that's all you have in there, but maybe you branch out and you'll have uh, the shepherds in there. Because as we, we reflect on the story, we know that there were shepherds in the field. Some of the songs we sing, some of the scriptures we read point to that. And so maybe you've got some barn animals too, which makes it extra fun for the kids. And then if you want to expand even more, you likely have like the magi or the wise men that come into there. And even though that their story is a little bit later than the nativity, but in, oftentimes we kind of put it all together because you need more characters, right? You need to have more action figures into the play. And so sometimes you'd add even more and you'd maybe have that family of the innkeeper that's in there. And you would have a little child there. And so maybe that's John the Baptist and his family. We don't really know. But you have all these different elements. And you think, like, this is what makes the nativity scene. This is what makes it so special. And probably you weren't thinking, hey, why don't we add a dragon into that picture? But let me tell you, the story of Christmas is a story of nativity with a dragon. The story that we get in Scripture points to this. And sometimes we can miss it if we're not recognizing all that was going on at Christmas. Because the reality is that Christmas is a story that is of a cosmic battle. But it also doubles as a love story. It's a cosmic battle. There's something deep spiritual going on in Christmas. It's much more than that little baby lying down in a manger a cosmic battle. But that battle is a battle out of love. It's way better than Star Wars. It's way better than any science fiction, because it's a true story. So we're going to explore the cosmic side of that Christmas story a little bit this morning. And maybe it'll be a little stretching for some of us, and maybe it'll be a very familiar thing for others of us. But let's look at the very human side first. If you read through your scripture stories, there's two accounts of Jesus' birth that we get, primarily. One we get in Luke's gospel, and where we get the story of the shepherds, and the other one we get in the Matthew's gospel, where we get the story of the wise men. And the story of the wise men is that, or the magi, is that they came because they saw a star, 
So there were people who peered at the stars, and they saw a star, and they followed that star that led them to eventually King Herod. And they asked the question, where's the one to be born king of the Jews? And if you know the story, Herod doesn't like that very much, because Herod, he's the king of the Jews. He is the, the leader of that time, and he wants that recognition. You, you get this impression from the story that he's a little bit insecure. And the story goes that then he says, they, he gets his wisest people, and they search the scriptures, and then they say, hey, this is where he's going to be born. So then the Magi go to be with Jesus. At this point, he's likely a little bit older than the baby, but they go to be with him. And then they're warned not to go back and not tell Herod that they went to see him. And so in Matthew's gospel, it says this in verse, chapter 2, verse 16. It says, when Herod realized that the Magi had out, he had been outmitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Herod was furious, so furious he would kill little children. Probably you won't have this picture on your Christmas cards. This picture was painted in 1824 by Leon Cognette called The Massacre of the Innocents. And it portrays a woman holding a baby because at this point in time, Herod was furious and he raged and he killed. The story of Christmas is this battle. And if you look at her face, you can see the fear, the gripping anxiety of what is to come as she clings to her baby. Again, probably not the Christmas cards you sent out this year. But this is the picture that actually is in the Christmas story. This is part of what Matthew tells us. But there's a story behind that story. That's the cosmic side of it all. That's the spiritual element that we can sometimes ignore. The reality is that a lot of the things we see going around us, as horrible as they are, we can see the very human side. We see the humanity of war, the destruction of the planet, the cheating, the stealing, the lying. We see the very human side, and we just think, this is awful. This is not the way things are supposed to be. And we're right. It's not the way things are supposed to be. But there's much more behind that. And actually, the Christmas story speaks to that, and the writers of Scripture speak to that too. We're going to explore chapter 12 of the book of Revelation. Some of us are familiar with this book. It's the last book in your New Testament. And some of us would be thinking, this is not the book that I would look at for Christmas. You know, we look at Matthew, we look at Luke, maybe even a little bit of John. But Revelation's all about the end of the world, we sometimes think. But it's not, actually. The book of Revelation was a written letter to a community written in a style called Apocalypse. Apocalypse doesn't mean end of the world like we've associated it to be. It was actually a writing style that means a revealing. And it was used at a time in history when things like that massacre of the innocents was going on. It was used at a time in history where you sometimes had to hide the plain language of a story. Because you knew that if you just said what you thought or said what you know, it could get you killed. So for about 400 years of history, people used images to tell stories 
about what was really going on. And the book of Revelation actually serves as an archetype. It talks about the past, it talks about the present, and it looks to a future and says there's a pattern that we follow. And particularly, this chapter that we look at is demonstrating the spiritual side of Christmas that sometimes we can miss out on. So we're going to jump into chapter 12 of the book of Revelation. And John, the author of Revelation, wrote this. He said, A great sign appeared in the heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of twelve stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven. An enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on its head. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it might devour her child the moment he was born. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. The woman fled into the wilderness to a place prepared for her by God that she might be taken care of for 1,260 days. John is given this fantastic image of a woman who's got a crown of 12 stars. Typically, the imagery of 12 comes up a lot of times through Scripture, and usually the imagery of 12 has to do something with God's people. So it's the 12 tribes of Israel, if you're familiar with the, New Testament, or the Old Testament. In the New Testament, you had the 12 uh, apostles, the 12 disciples that followed Jesus. And it's always rooted around this 12, meaning the fullness of God's people. This woman represents the fullness of the God's people in some way. If you're familiar with Scripture, you go way back to the beginning, and you look at the story of the creation of the world and the story of the Garden of Eden. And one of the things that happens in the Garden of Eden, there's Adam and there's Eve. And Eve and Adam, they choose to disobey God, and they choose to eat of a tree, and there's consequences to it. And there's this serpent that led them that way. And one of the things that God proclaims is that the earth is cursed because of what they did. But the woman will one day bear a child whose heel will crush the serpent. And if you fast forward, you can go, hey, that's Jesus. This is the picture that John is drawing all together. He's drawing this picture together of something very real and human that happened, that Jesus was actually born. And behind the scenes, what is that all about? Well, it's about the reality that there are powers that exist. The imagery of dragons and beasts comes up through Revelation, and usually they demonstrate evil powers in our world. Typically, a beast would be like an emperor, and a dragon would represent a system in place. And so we read the story earlier of Herod, and we see how Herod was living out the role of these evil empire, of being so jealous and so self-focused that he would kill children because he felt threatened. Is evil, pure evil, but deeply spiritual. That behind the scenes of what was physically happening, there was something deeply spiritual and cosmic going on. 
and that there would be a woman who bore a child who would fight this evil. But the evil wanted to destroy him. It's a story that comes up throughout Scripture, and John here quotes Psalm uh, 2, verse 9, when he says that uh, the child will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. There was this idea, this picture, that this is what they were hoping for. And Revelation is written in a period of time where people go, yes, this is still what we're hoping for. It points to a historical event that happened, but also reminds us that there's still something we're hoping for because the reality is there are still systems in place that are deeply evil. There are still realities in our world that things are not the way they're supposed to be. And there needs to be something fighting them. John continues this image. He says, Then a war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, and the ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth, and his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah, For the accuser of our brothers and sisters, who accuses them before our God day and night, has been hurled down. They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They do not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, that you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and to the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury. Because he knows that his time is short. When the dragon saw that he had been hurled to the earth, he pursued the woman who gave birth to the male child. The woman was given the two wings of a great eagle so that she might fly to the place prepared for her in the wilderness, where she would be taken up care of for a time, times, and half a time, out of the serpent's reach. Then from his mouth the serpent spewed water like a river to overtake the woman to sweep her away in the torrent. But the earth helped the woman by opening up its mouth and swallowing the river that the dragon had spewed out of the mouth. Then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went to wage war against the rest of her offspring, those who keep God's commands and hold fast to their testimony about Jesus. John's picture is rooted in this first Christmas, but it expands. It's rooted in the story of the first Christmas that there was a point in time, at just the right time, Jesus was born into a world, a world where there were political powers that were so evil that they would kill children just to get their way. That this child was born into this world to save all of humankind, to be the king of the universe, the Messiah. John points into that moment, but reminds us that that moment in a very real history is one we're still living through where things are just not the way they're supposed to be. That while Jesus was born, there's still a reality in our world that our experiences are tainted by the evil that still exists. That there's a spiritual side to our very human, real experiences. And to ignore it would be to ignore what Christmas was actually all about. It's a cute, sweet story to think of you know, a family who's traveling, and, you know, they're pregnant, and there's no hotel rooms, and all of a sudden they're like, oh, there's a baby. But this is a cosmic battle. 
It's a fight that is going on behind the scenes. It's a reality that the world is broken by sin. We jump back to Genesis. We jump back to the story of Adam and Eve, that they chose to disobey God. And in their choosing, the consequence is that the world is tainted by sin, that things are broken, that you and I, as hard as it might be to understand, are not the way we're supposed to be, that you and I are damaged by sin. You may have done nothing wrong in your whole life, but that's not what sin is. Sin is like a disease, and we're all infected by it. No matter how good you are or all the good things you do, sin has still affected you. Your relationships are broken because of it. Your relationship with yourself, your relationship with other people, with God's creation, and ultimately with God. But at just the right time, God saw fit to come into the world in Jesus. We use the fancy word incarnation. That God took on flesh to live with us, but not just to live, to die for us in Jesus. That through his death and his resurrection, we experience the forgiveness of sin or the making whole of us that he's restoring those broken relationships, giving us the opportunity for that. But history didn't want that to happen. Matthew's gospel tells us that Herod was jealous and he wanted this baby killed. But God's plans are better than human jealousy. God's plans are better than the evils of this world. That they knew to escape to the desert, to stay there. God's plans are better than what's going on around us. And while that initial Christmas is what we reflect on and celebrate and we see this story, we have to remember what's behind the scenes. That it's this cosmic battle. And in this cosmic battle of Christmas, God is at war for you. Christmas is a cosmic battle for you. That Jesus died and rose again is what we really need to point to. Yes, he was born, he came to in flesh, but Christmas without Easter is meaningless. The baby that was a threat to a king in the earthly realm of Herod is the baby that was a threat to the spiritual realm as well. That the devil and Satan did not want this to happen. But God's plans are better and bigger. And so while we still experience the pain, the sorrow, and the frustration of a life that is not the way it's supposed to be, at just the right time, God entered into our human history in Jesus to make a way for that to change. The story of Revelation is one that points to that this is something that's happened and it's an archetype of what is always happening. We're always living with this cosmic battle. Until we, and we hope for, Christ's return again. When all the wrongs are made right. But until then, we live in a world where things are not the way they're supposed to be. We live in a world where there's brokenness and pain and sorrow and shame. We live in a world where people take advantage of others. We live in a world where people oppress 
others or wage war against them for the wrong reasons. We live in that world. But it's into that world that Jesus was born. Into that very same world that you and I live in, Jesus was born. And this battle wages on. The hope is, the picture of Revelation points that, yes, in time, God God rescues and restores. And we wait for that. The book of Revelation was written to a people in a time and a place where they were experiencing this themselves, oppression from a ruthless government where they weren't allowed to worship in the way they felt was right, where they knew was right, where they were oppressed sometimes in ways that we can never really imagine and sometimes to the point of being killed in gruesome ways. And into that world, God spoke and said, Jesus came into this world. And we can have hope that the wrongs will be made right because this is a battle for you. Christmas is this cosmic battle that doubles as a love story because it's a love story for you. And nothing can stop God's love for you. No matter how much it seems like things on the outside are out to get you or against you, no matter how much things on the inside seem to be eating away at you, nothing stops God's love. Dragons, the devil... Wars that rage do not stop God's love. Christmas is this cosmic battle that doubles as a love story for you. And the question becomes, what do you do with that? How do you respond? How do you respond to a God who will wage war for you? How do you respond to a God who's rescued you even when you didn't know you needed rescuing? That's for you to know. That's for you to connect with that God about. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you are, um, you are beyond words. Uh, that you are a God who meets us so very personally, yet is so grand and cosmic in a way we can't fully understand. You are the God who knows us by name, and yet you're the one who created the stars. You are the God who came as a baby, and we celebrate at Christmas. But you're also the God who died for the sins of the world. God, you are more than sometimes we can comprehend. Help us to know you more. Help us to understand your love for us and how significant Jesus coming here was. Holy Spirit, I pray that we open our hearts and our minds to things that maybe we don't understand to see how you are working, how you are leading, how you are inviting us to receive your love And not just so that we feel better about ourselves, but so that we can share your love. The love that stepped into human history in Jesus. 
a love that has a very real name in Jesus, and a love that invites us to demonstrate that we are loved by loving others. Wherever we find ourselves on this Christmas, whether uh, we are someone who's embraced that love or maybe we're wrestling with it, maybe we're not sure or maybe don't feel very loved right now, I pray we just open our hearts and our minds to be present with you and to know that you are the God who came near in Jesus. Not to take from us, but to give, to give life in all of its fullness. I pray we embrace that today and always. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.